The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to Facebook Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're doing a deep dive into one of the largest, most popular, and most controversial advertising platforms in the world, Facebook. Each day this week, we're going to publish an episode that discusses what you need to know about launching, scaling, and optimizing your brand's presence on Facebook. With us today is Agvila DeFazio, who is the founder of Actvertise, which is a social media marketing agency that helps clients expand their reach and online visibility through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social networks. With over 10 years' experience in PPC, Agvila and her team have supported a wide variety of brands, including Postmates, Headspace, WAG, and Bing. So far this week, we've talked about the landscape of advertising on Facebook, targeting methodologies, building a creative strategy, and today we're going to discuss analyzing and optimizing your Facebook campaigns. Here's the fourth installment of Facebook Week with Agvila DeFazio from Acvertise. Agvila, welcome back to Facebook Week on the MarTech Podcast. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me back on. Great to have you here. We're going to get our hands dirty today. We talked about Facebook in general as a platform, how to figure out who you're targeting, how to reach them with the right creative. And now comes the math. How do we figure out what's working and how do we optimize the campaigns? When you're launching campaigns, you mentioned that we should be testing everything, having multiple variants where we're going to run a lot of ads across a lot of different ad sets. How do you figure out what's working and how do you scale that? Typically, we'll give some of the campaigns enough time to run or the ad set or the ad, depending on what variable that we're testing. And we'll start seeing what's working and what's not. And if we can make statistically significant decisions on disabling one or maybe increasing budget for something else. But there's some really great tools. You can use ad manager reporting and build out some custom reports that way to see those metrics. It's pretty robust. And then Facebook also launched their new analytics platform last year. Though it's great, but we still rely mostly on Google Analytics because it is much more robust and giving us different types of data and just manipulating it different ways to see it and present it to our clients and to our team. So you're doing most of your analysis in Google Analytics as opposed to the Facebook platform? Mostly in Facebook, but we back it up with Google. Okay. To me, there's always a difference in looking at those two platforms. And I get the sense that Facebook generally takes credit for everything because they have 80% of the population as an audience 
and most people are using Facebook pretty regularly throughout the week, they're able to serve a high volume of ads. Therefore, basically everyone is on Facebook seeing all of these ads. And if they convert, they take credit for it from a view through perspective. How are you analyzing the difference between what Facebook is actively, you know, driving a conversion as opposed to, hey, somebody was served an ad and they converted from other channels? Are you thinking about multi-channel attribution? Yes, absolutely. We take a look at that because it's an important part of the funnel. Typically, we see it as an introductory point and then see how people come through. But we don't attribute everything directly to Facebook because it's only a fraction of it, right? And Facebook does try to give themselves a lot more credit. I think every channel tries to do that, which is understandable. But at the same time, it's not fair to what we're looking at. So you have to be mindful when you're doing reporting. So for instance, if you're in Facebook and there might be a little bit more novice level to the platform, their default attribution window is 28-day post-click and 28-day view. So it combines them and it can give you a false sense of reporting. So what you'll want to do is just to make sure that you're looking at different comparison windows and whether it's view through or click through to know how people are engaging with your ad, when they're converting, and then going to Google Analytics and seeing the entire funnel and where you can make adjustments there. Because oftentimes clients are like, oh, well, Facebook isn't converting for us. And it's not really a one-click, one-conversion type of world that we live in anymore. There's so many touch points that we need to show them exactly how the funnel works. And oftentimes, they've asked, like, there's been some clients in the past that have asked us to turn off Facebook and move all the budget to search. And we tried to advise them against that because it's important to have a combination of both. And we've been able to see that as soon as we turn that off, that search also takes a dip as well. So it's important to have those different touch points and understand how they perform using the data that we have available and to attribute efforts and budget and how the sales end up turning out so we understand the entire funnel. At a startup that I worked at a couple of years ago where I was running the marketing department, we did an experiment of Facebook on, Facebook off. Mm-hmm. And the takeaway, we were heavily reliant on Facebook as our acquisition channel. And the theory was Facebook was as valuable as a billboard as it was as a direct response channel. And when we turned our Facebook ads off for the week, we saw a 50% decrease in our other traffic. Now, it was... of our spend. Wow. Right. So basically it was the vast majority of our advertising was happening on that platform. But when we were advertising on Google, we saw those conversions dip pretty significantly when we turned Facebook off. Now that might've been that brand specific, but I do think that when you're thinking about what your attribution window is and how to evaluate the value of Facebook as a platform, you can't just look at your direct response channels. Generally what I've done in the past is I'll move towards a seven-day click-through direct response attribution window and a one-day view-through window. So basically, if somebody sees a banner ad and they convert within that day without clicking, I'm going to give Facebook some credit for that. And if they click and they convert within seven days, I'm going to give Facebook credit for that conversion as well. I'm not sure if those defaults are still available, but that's how I think about attribution windows for Facebook. Yeah, and there are. There's still one seven and 28 day in Facebook for the view through and click through attribution windows. And that's a really smart tactic. We've seen that as well with some of our clients. But the only thing that I've noticed that if you are in the event marketing space, that typically the longer attribution windows work better because there's a longer sales funnel for those. So just uh, see how the different ones react for you and optimize accordingly. When you say when you're in the event space, there's a longer attribution window, what do you mean by that? 
So prior to launching my own agency, I used to work for a marketing conference company. And typically, as we launch new events that we've noticed that people don't convert right away, there's a research stage, then they have to ask their work for time off or maybe the budget to travel and book hotels. So it took us a while to get somebody to purchase a conference ticket because there's so many other aspects that came to play before making the purchase. So having a shorter attribution window didn't really give us the data that we needed to see the full circle of how our potential customers were behaving. Interesting. So my takeaway here, without talking specifically about the event space, is you have to understand what your sales funnel and life cycle is. And that should influence what your attribution window, if it takes 28 days to close a sale, you might want to have a click-through attribution of 28 days, right? If your product is generally an impulse buy, then you know the stuff that I see on Facebook, it's all like Apple Watch straps and socks and shoes and <laughs> health men's grooming products. Those are all pretty much impulse buys and stuff that I would imagine gets a very short duration in terms of how long it's relevant. So a shorter attribution window makes sense there. Exactly. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Any other tips on how you're thinking about optimizing and scaling your campaigns? One of the conversations I had with another Facebook agency owner was Facebook is really just about maximizing the number of impressions you have. And when you get a hot campaign, you're just basically pouring fuel on the fire and evaluating the conversions once you have it scaled. How do you think about growing your campaigns when you get something that's getting scale? like to start off our clients with a smaller budget and seeing that it's worked better with the way Facebook's algorithm is instead of starting high and scaling back. And one tactic is when we're trying to scale, uh, we work with a lot of startups and they're looking to get a lot of pre-orders that we notice that if we launch a campaign with say maybe $1,000 with a daily budget and we don't hit that daily budget because it's a brand new campaign, no historical data and Facebook doesn't know what to do with it, we don't get anywhere close to spending it. And then that kind of refrains us from scaling as much as we can, even though the audience is very large. The one thing that we've noticed if we start with $100 a day and we cap that out, 
Facebook deems it as relevant and people are engaging with it. And then when we up it the next day incrementally to maybe like 300 or 500, we've noticed that we were able to spend every day that we increase the budget and kind of work with Facebook's algorithm to get them to notice that we can spend this, we are effective in it. Because if you just set a huge budget, pretty much most of the time, I don't think we've seen it ever work well with the massive daily budget right out of the gate that it was able to spend that and perform well. So scaling upward does perform a lot better from what we've seen. Yeah. Pro tip, start with a small campaign budget and make sure you max out that budget to show Facebook that you're setting your budgets appropriately. And then you could scale up once you basically hit 100% of your budget and Facebook gets some data. Here's a funny thing just to add to that, since we've had some clients with larger budgets over the years that we have noticed that those ones, even if we do launch a new campaign and it has a large daily budget right out of the gate, those are able to spend it. But I have a feeling that might be associated with just historical campaign data. And we typically have a rep for those. I don't know if there's a correlation there, but just something to be mindful of. It's funny how much more successful your campaigns are when you have a rep. (laughs) (laughs) And in terms of just one more thing that I've learned that's very useful in the last uh, year while everything's been changing with Facebook and we've lost a lot of customer insights. A friend of mine from the industry, Michelle Morgan, she gave me a really great tip last year when we were trying to look for ways to create audiences that were going away is by creating dummy UTMs. So in the UTM parameters in the ad level, you can create one that's just for an audience. So say that you're targeting people that are household income, like top 10% in a certain geolocation, then you can put ETM underscore AUD for audience equals and then create something. You won't get much data off of it in terms of performance, but you can create reports off of that. But the primary thing that I want to share here is that you can create that in a custom audience within Facebook and then create a lookalike off of it, which those have been performing very well for us. Let me make sure I understand. You're using a UTM code that is an audience, and you're specifying that your audience is top 10% of the population in a specific zip code. Is Facebook reading that UTM code and then trying to deliver that audience to you? Or is it just you're using that tracking methodology to create a new group? I'm just using the latter, so the tracking methodology. So I can take that UTM and create a custom audience based off of that because it will pop up in the URL itself. Mm-hmm. And then just anyone that's been in that audience that we're targeting. And I don't add too many other audience parameters just so we can keep it very focused on what that one in particular is. And if it's performing well, you can create a lookalike off of that. And those perform exceptionally well if you're looking to expand your reach a little further. Understood. So you can create a UTM code that's fed into the Facebook ad platform to understand what your targeting is and then create a lookalike audience off of that targeting. Correct. Yeah. Unfortunately, Facebook doesn't give us audience insights to that level. You can't really see which audiences in your targeting are working in the reporting. But this is just another way to kind of hack the system a little bit to create some other audiences, even though, and then get data off of it like that. Interesting. Okay. Great tip. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Agvila for joining us. If you'd like to learn more of Agvila's tips for building an effective Facebook strategy, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we're going to be discussing the future of the Facebook platform. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Agvila, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send her a tweet at her Twitter handle, which is Akvila DeFazio, A-K-V-I-L-E-D-E-F-A-Z-I-O. Or you can visit her company's website. That's akvertise.com, A-K-V-E-R-T-I-S-E.com. You can also find a link to her beginner's guide to Facebook in our show notes. 
If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, don't worry, we've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries and transcripts of all of our episodes. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thank you for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you, so we built benjshap.com slash questions, where you could submit your questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap on LinkedIn and Twitter. That's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to the rest of Facebook week, we've got great episodes lined up for the rest of the month. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.